1: Welcome to episode 140 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson. I have Kurt Mortensen here with me, locked and loaded for another great episode, helping you become a better persuader, leader, influencer, eater. A lot of times we talk about that too on the show, and we might even insult you today, which we've been known to do. So we appreciate you tuning back in. Kurt, what's been going on?
0: Hey, it's a great week so far. I guess we can say that. It was in Denver. Shout out to Denver. It was a colder than normal. Did a three-day event in Denver, and that turned out really well. So food was great there. had some really good stuff, some awesome hamburgers. I didn't participate in their new laws, but the food was good and had some incredible uh, sandwiches. I don't know what it was this time, but some really good sandwiches, good delis, New York-style delis, I think it was. Like we always say, it's really all you have when you're on the road is food.
1: You know, you said you didn't partake in the new law, but you're talking about burgers and sandwiches. I'm waiting for the Cheetos. I think you yeah. may have, inadvertently. Uh,
0: maybe it was the cafe next door was coming through the vents, but I, those are comfort foods. so it could be, I, I better be careful.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Well, everybody's moving more and more towards that, and I have a lot of clients in Colorado, beautiful place, and some very, very strong feelings about that. But I, I do have a client who He's making some good money in the real estate business. He's renting out properties he owns to growers, and they pay a lot of rent.
0: I bet they do. They've got a dominant captive audience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they even have a, a t- whole tourism industry centered around weed in Colorado now, from what I understand. They'll take you on uh, tour buses to various parts and try different kinds of weed. And, man, they just—they they probably got to have a lot of Cheetos on that bus. <laughs>
0: I just said, hope the driver doesn't participate because they've had like a 300% increase in accidents, fatal accidents, I think it was, based on this ingredient. So hopefully it's not the driver.
1: Oh, really? Because I've always heard advocates of marijuana say, no, it doesn't affect me to drive. I can drive just fine. But the statistics are showing otherwise, huh?
0: Yeah, the newspaper was showing, yeah, this is a problem. It's not something that you can just do and drive. It's something that does cause psychological impairment. Mm. Mm.
1: So that's interesting to see. There's a statistical difference. In auto accidents from when it was illegal to when it was legal. That's going to be a lot of debate fodder right there.
0: That's a couple of debates right there. Yep. And definitely
1: some blunders and some ninjas for us in the bank in the future.
0: (laughs) That is. I bet we get a lot of good blunders out of Colorado (laughs) with people taking a long lunch and trying to persuade someone to do something. Yeah.
1: Thanks, dudes. Thanks, dudes (laughs) in Colorado. (laughs) Yeah, Rocky Mountain High. That's great. So, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> There's
0: probably a t-shirt there, but I'm sure it's already been taken.
1: Probably has. I'm I'm sure there are 20 different weed shops that are playing off of that phrase <laughs> at least. So, but we like it. Colorado's great, not too far from us over here on the Wasatch front in Utah and so Kurt had a successful trip to Denver. I've been hustling, working hard and we've got more topics for you today. And actually uh, went back on a, I don't want to call it a diet, it's a negative word, it just doesn't work well, but watching what I eat again, losing some poundage, working out, and I came across an interesting article, and you know what that means, Kurt?
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, Urkel, go!
1: (laughs) There he is, Urkel, from Psychology Today, article entitled, Think More, Eat Less, Memory can make us eat less. Subheading is that thinking about a past or future meal can lead to less snacking. Which this is good for me, might be good for some of you listeners, because at 11 o'clock every night, I want cheesy carbs, (laughs) which are like the worst, especially at that time of night. But man, do they sound good! Man, do quesadillas and nachos sound good at that time of night? So Our memory can apparently make us eat less. Imagine the last meal you had, and I'm quoting directly from the article here. Imagine the last meal you had, what it tasted like, how much you enjoyed it. Does that make you hungry? Surprisingly, recalling a recent meal can make people eat less. Research has shown that people who recalled what they had to eat earlier in the day were less likely to snack compared to people who recalled what they ate yesterday. Thinking about the sensory experience of the past meal you had today will make you less likely to snack suggesting that enjoying the experience of eating by focusing on the food will lead to a better memory of this event, and that memory can't then influence future eating. I think I said that wrong, but you get the idea. So if you're having a tough time like I do with the cheesy carb attack at night, or the sugary carb attack, that's my wife, she loves the sugary carbs. Uh, There's just so many ways to make carbs good. And they're good on their own, but you've got to savor what you eat throughout the day. Think about it. Enjoy it more and draw on that experience in the evening. And statistically, you have less of a chance of snacking. There you have it.
0: I like that. That's true. So you're thinking about that nice meal and you're satisfied. You're taking care of the craving a little bit. But then the opposite's true. If you can think of a rotten meal that made you sick... I'm assuming that would be good,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to eat. That
0: would be gross. <laughs> I got... Yeah, I think at the time he went and it was all greasy. I mean, that's what we do with French fries, right? If you're craving French fries, that's easy to fix. Because we talked about last time how thoughts control emotions, emotions control action. And that's true with food. Because if you were thinking about the French fries and they're warm and they're salty, you're like, no, I can't, I can't. Only well, you dip them in the ketchup, I can't. And you just keep thinking about it. Eventually, you're eating French fries. You're just eating them. But if you think about going to McDonald's or any fast food restaurant and then supersizing them, even though they don't say that anymore, and you put them out on the tray, you can be cured. Just pick up the whole thing of French fries with your hand, hold them over your head, and squeeze those French fries as a pulpy mass oozes between your fingers and the yellow lard that's clogging your heart drips on the floor and stains your shoe.
1: When you put it that way.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, the opposite's true. If that's how you think about the foods you crave, you're not going to crave them anymore. So that's how powerful the mind is. I like this other aspect, though, when you just think about the meal and how it satisfied you and you liked it and it was good, how that can reduce cravings. And that's the power of the subconscious mind. A lot of times we just don't know what we do and what's triggering that food. You know, that subconscious mind, wow, we just don't know. In fact, I had made a commitment to eat healthy. I think we've all done that many times on this show and in life. And I was late for a meeting. And one of the commitments I had was no more fast food. Can't eat fast food. No fast food, right? But I was late for a meeting. I didn't have a lot of time. I was hungry. I could go to Wendy's, right? And I could get a grilled chicken sandwich, slide of the mayo, Instead of French fries, salad. Instead of a Coke, maybe a Diet Coke. and rationalized This is good. I can do this. I pulled up to the window. And I don't know what happened. It totally surprised me. As I said, I'll take a double Baconator with cheese, large fries, and a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all done that. And I was thinking... I wasn't thinking about that. That's not what I wanted. How did I get a Baconator versus a grilled chicken? I'm sure the calories are similar. Uh, yeah, anyway. of course. Yeah. Uh, protein. <laughs> then I started thinking, was it the smell? Could be. Was it a picture? Was it a commercial I saw the night before? Did I hear the person in front of me order it? Did I hear somebody talking about it? Was it all the above? These subconscious things affect weight gain, weight loss. They affect our ability to persuade. They affect our ability to build trust. And a lot of times we don't think it's happening, but it's happening every time we talk to somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's happened to me a lot. So many things influence what we do on a subconscious level, and it feels like a knee jerk reaction that the baconator just attacks, and you're like, Who was that ordering at that window?
0: Who was that ordering? Who's that eating at?
1: Who's putting this (laughs) bacon in my mouth? This is pretty good. Who did
0: this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're very good at what they do, very good at what they do, and it's just so much of how they shape your perception of what you think you want.
0: They do, they're good. And that's the power of it. We don't even know it's working sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's all under the radar. It's all the ninjas. It's ninjas. Dave Thomas from Wendy's.
0: Yeah, he knew what was going on. We should make him the ninja.
1: Actually, well, I've got a you don't know this, but I have a surprise for you later on that, so.
0: Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and you actually okay. that
1: is not staged, listeners. That would be just a very <laughs> terrible stage, but that that's legit. So, this transitions into what we wanted to talk about cuz you were telling me about a very interesting a book that you read recently that the food industry, this guy has discovered kind of how they're getting you to think about what you need to eat. And we just drew some very, very interesting parallels between this and persuasion and marketing your product, how much of your product that your clients think that they actually need and how much they're going to buy. This is a whole different topic of persuasion that we haven't really got into much, maybe sometimes along the lines of law of expectation. But I think we're going to crank it up a notch here. Kurt, tell us a little bit about what you read, and let's draw some parallels between this and how we can use it in, in the world of persuasion when it comes to you know, some boring product <laughs> like insurance or something.
0: Well, the book's called Mindless Eating. The author's Brian Wasik. He's a PhD. And if you're listening, Brian, welcome. Thank you. And, hey, we want you as a guest to talk about this. And he says we eat a lot more than we think. And if you have people estimate – how many calories they've eaten, they're way off. Kind of like the woebegone effect we talked about before where way we evaluate ourselves, judge ourselves, or when we tell people we have people skills and we don't, we're just way off the map. And it's just a fascinating science that we've talked a little bit about it before on the show, from food to the music in the restaurant, to the color of the food. All those things matter. And he took a deep dive and you might have saw this one on TV where they had a restaurant where they had these soup bowls. And somehow they had put a little tube underneath, and as they took a couple bites, they kept filling it up. (laughs) And they had no idea how much they were eating, and they ate so much more. They just couldn't gauge it. They were gauging it by how much they had eaten. And so it goes into plate size matters. And we've heard that before from weight loss centers to where the size of the plate, the bigger the plate, the more we eat. even goes into glasses. The thinner the glass, think slender, the, the thinner the glass, the more slender the glass, the less we drink. So if it's small and wide, that we drink more. But if it's slender, we drink less. It's just a subconscious trigger we don't even think about. He goes into making it difficult. The further the food is away, the harder it is to get, the less we're going to go get it. For example, if you have Hershey Kisses in your drawer, that's easy. If you have to go to the next office and borrow it from somebody, that's a little harder. If you have to go down to the convenience store and get them, that's even harder. And making it as hard as possible makes a big factor as far as how much you eat. If there's a bowl on your desk, that's to be eating a lot more than you have to go up two floors to somebody you know to get the bowl. And then on the flip side, I read this in a different study, the exercise. The easier you make exercise in the morning, if that's when you work out, the better it is. If get up, the first thing you do is get dressed in your exercise equipment, it's easier. If it's the exercise equipment's in your master bedroom, that's easier than going in the basement. The easier you can make it to exercise, that's a good thing. But then food, on the other hand, if you know you have to go drive and get that craving versus having it in your freezer, those are two very, very different worlds.
1: So lesson number one I'm hearing here, this might be obvious to some listeners, to others, this is a good refresher, but is it easy to order your product? Is it easy to do business with you? And I've kind of caught myself over the years sometimes making it unintentionally, I'm making it harder to do business with me and not in a good way, like with scarcity, right? Where you're making your product more desirable, but we're seeing a huge movement for this in e-commerce, especially. I love, I love Amazon prime, right? I don't know if you use it, but it's, it makes it really easy to get stuff. Click, click. And Amazon's even taken it to a new level with this echo thing where you can just say, Hey, send me some stuff. (laughs) And your echo (laughs) thing picks it up and bam, it's shipped to you. You don't even have to do anything. It's going to be really interesting. I I know that uh, as Prime has kind of advanced along and Echo came out, Amazon stock's been doing pretty well. People are very optimistic about their ability to generate more sales because it's just so easy. And now Google is trying to come out with something similar. I'm sure Apple's going to try it now, too. You just talk. Say, hey, I want stuff. It shows up at your house.
0: (laughs) And you nailed it. And listeners, I hope you grab that. You have to make it as easy as possible. And Amazon still does the Amazon one-click. You're like, oh, I'm interested. And you click this button. Like, You're like, whoa, shipped, billed, done, gone. There's no more clicks because they have found for every click, for every website you go to, for every step you add, it decreases the amount of people that are going to do it. And that's what's so critical, how easy it is for them to do that. Well, I was at Gold's Gym and there's the powder potion person there and and I said, how's business? And he said, it's not very good. Because I smiled. He didn't smile back, trying to figure what was going on. I said, well, make me a smoothie and I'll double your business. And he's like, done. <laughs> <laughs> and he made me this smoothie. And I asked people this scenario. A lot of people say, well, it's free samples. And that's a good thing, reciprocity and samples. We see that at Costco. But it was something a little bit different. It made a big difference in his sales. It was this simple. You worked out. You're feeling good. Hey, smoothie sounds good. Oh, my wallet's in my locker my wallet's in my car yeah now, you could go get it and come back but that extra step coming back in and for most people is just too much and you are like, well it shouldn't be an issue it is you got to look at your process and make it as easy and as simple as possible and that's true with the food you choose and the food you buy if you buy all healthy food and that's another big trip is you never shop on an empty stomach. That destroys
1: everything. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, I think that's a no-brainer. Everyone knows that. So go shopping on a full stomach, buy the healthy stuff, and fill your house with healthy stuff. Then it becomes a lot easier because that extra step of going to the market or going fast food or doing this is enough for most people to do it. Or have that person get rid of that candy jar or get it further away from you. you no, know, you have to go to a walk and or another person has to see you eating the candy. How these little steps make a huge difference. Yeah,
1: and you can use that to your advantage in whatever it is you're trying to do. You want to do less than something? Make it more complicated. You know, plan it out. You want to do more of something? Make it less complicated. And I think we shared this as a blunder a long time ago. My wife and I were ordering some appliances. And ah, was it at Sears? And you were making fun of me for going to Sears like, Oh, you're the guy. That goes <laughs> you the yeah. Guy. We went in there and we're trying. I, I had my credit card on the table basically saying, take this, swipe this. <laughs> right. I, please, I
0: please take my money. Oh yeah.
1: And 15 minutes of him fiddling around on the computer. Couldn't get to, oh, I'll come back later. Got frustrated. We never bought, never bought the, the stuff from him because the emotion was gone. The momentum was gone. You can't, kill the momentum you have to remove as many of those obstacles as you possibly can because it's just so easy for that emotion of the buy to wear off
0: and that's important and we see the opposite with infomercials i think we've mentioned this before to where when they ship you something if you notice when you open the box it disintegrates it goes poof Mm -hmm. like where's the box why because that extra step of finding a box and shipping it back a lot of people keep the product. So you have to look at what you're trying to do, what you're trying to prove, make it easier, as hard as possible. We see some people with a the guarantee that make the guarantee maybe a little too hard, but that's the reason they do that. The extra step of filling out a form or doing this keeps people from doing it. And that's important. Think about your proctor service. In fact, he also talks about in this book, it was a, a secretary ate nine cookies a day if they were sitting on their desk.
1: <laughs>
0: that's an extra 225 calories. But if they had to go to the effort of opening the desk drawer, it was only six times a day. And if they had to get up and walk six feet, it was only four times a day. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> just from yeah. there on the desk to the drawer to walking to get it, reduced it significantly. And we got to realize that with your product or service, easy. That's what you want to look for. Easy is reduce the clicks, as easy as possible. And we also know forms on the internet. The more fields you ask for, it decreases the compliance rate. That's why a lot of people just go, okay, just give me your email. I don't want anything else. Mm-hmm. Just give me your email. Because if you're going name, number, social security number, mother's maiden name, the CSV number, oh, all those things, yeah, yeah. some reason that decreases compliance. Not sure why. Well, we know why. but <laughs> yeah,
1: It's happened a lot to me where I, I haven't ended up buying a product. I, I went to my office the other day and the uh, receptionist had a big box of donuts just sitting out on the desk. Kind of a, hey, welcome to the office. Here's a donut type of a deal. And <laughs> I was on the phone. And I couldn't grab the donut and stuff my face with it at the time. I, it would have been so easy if I wasn't on the phone, but it was an important call. And I walked back to my office and my office is a little ways from the, the front desk. And I keep thinking on this call, hey, I got to go down there and get one of those donuts. <laughs> <laughs> got to put that on my to-do list, make that happen today. This is important stuff. But the funny thing was, is it was harder. I was now farther away. Ah, I can't quite get there. And by the time I finally did, there was just crumbs in the bottom of that box because everybody else wasn't on the phone when they came. Wait, in. Wait,
0: I, I got to know this. Did you lick the crumbs? Did you grab the crumbs? No, I,
1: I come. On, I have some dignity. I have a little bit.
0: <laughs> a little bit. I don't, I'm not sure. because when you're craving something like that, there's just that little piece at the bottom of the box. <laughs> you no, know, never know. We'll we'll pretend to believe you, but we'll just kind of move. Uh, on.
1: We, we don't know how much <laughs> dignity I have, but we know that it's somewhere <laughs> above the crumbs of the donut box.
0: Just a little bit. As
1: close as we've been able to figure out. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) All right. So we need to make it easy as possible to do business. And it's something else I heard in what you're talking about is these people at these restaurants take the soup bowl thing. Mentally, they're thinking, okay, they gave me this soup. This is what's in here. This is what I'm supposed to eat. You essentially have the salesman, in this case the restaurant, saying, here's how much of my product you're supposed to have. And subconsciously, we just say, "Okay,
0: I must eat it all.
1: I must eat it all. (laughs) And if it more just keeps showing up, uh, you know, we just must do it. It reminds me, I don't know if you've seen that video floating around on Facebook. These guys, a long day at the beach and they go over to the public shower thing to shampoo. And there's a guy behind the wall. And while the guy is rubbing his head and trying to get all the suds out, he'll reach over the wall and he'll squeeze more shampoo onto their head so they can never rinse off. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'll have to post it. it. It's pretty funny to watch. It's, well, it's there. I got to keep going. And so yeah. what can we do with our product? I mean, what quantity do we offer it in? Many times it may be increasing the price. It may be it's increased more and increase the price too. People will do it. They're relying on you subconsciously to tell them how much money to spend if you're a good persuader. Are they not?
0: They are. And you got to be careful. It's called the JND, which is the just noticeable difference. We don't notice when gas goes up, you know, five, 10 cents, but if it, it breaks the 3 to $4 mark, we notice. We don't notice when yogurt has 1.2 ounces versus 1.1 ounces, the little concave at the bottom. So if, as long as there's not big noticeable differences, usually people will go along with it. And that's true, especially for things like, got to be careful things like music and color. That indicates how much we eat and what we do, and people don't even realize it.
1: Mm hmm. I've noticed, too, with bags of potato chips lately, there's just not as much in them. Mm -hmm. But we still just kind of go with it. And in this case, I noticed it, but not enough to actually (laughs) do something. Because like you said, it's just too much work. It's too hard to complain. It's too hard to to switch brands and those kinds of things. And we certainly don't want to try underhanded stuff with our prospects. But depending on how much control you have over your marketing or your product offering, You might consider tweaking things a little bit because you'll be surprised as to what your prospects will go along with if it's easy to do business with you. If it's easy to spend the money, you probably get away with more.
0: Yeah, and even subconsciously, I mentioned music. And it's interesting, supermarkets play slower music because you shop 18% longer versus fast food restaurants play faster music. They've got your money, eat, we need your table. And they found this at restaurants too. When they played slower, familiar music, people stuck around 11 minutes longer. Now they didn't buy more food. But they did spend 30 bucks more in drinks just by it was the ambience and hanging out and music plays an issue. And then color of food, the color of your packaging, the color of your website are big subconscious triggers that people don't even think about.
1: Cool. Well, we're going to try to get the author of this book on the show. We think there's just a ton of parallels to how you present your product and, and what he's talking about with respect to food. So anything else, Kurt, that you want to add before we wrap things up?
0: Just remember, whether it be food, your product or service, your website, make it easy. Be aware of the subconscious triggers. These things matter. And a review from last week, thoughts control emotions, emotions control actions. The subconscious part is more important than the conscious part when you're persuading because that's what people follow, that instinct, that urge, that intuition. Do I like them? Do I not like them? Do I trust them? Do I don't trust them? Those are subconscious triggers.
1: Very good stuff. Very good. All right. We've had lots of blunders on the show lately, and eventually we know a ninja must emerge. Cue up the ninja.
0: Yeah. yeah, I love the ninja. Go, ninja!
1: There's the ninja! Okay. So, I actually saw this article on Facebook one of my friends posted. I thought it was inspiring. I thought it was cool. We we all grow up, at least here in, in Western culture, I think even, even so abroad now, too, go to college so you can get a job and be successful and be happy and have a home in the suburbs and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We're all told that and we're all kind of ingrained that if you don't go to college, you're going to be a gigantic loser. So this was a, a great article and and I'm not insinuating that uh, if you go to college, you're a loser. It's what's you, what are you good at? <laughs> what is best for you? Because what society is telling you might not be best for you and what society is telling you, might be the best for you you've got to kind of follow yourself there and this is a cool article about eight hugely successful people who didn't graduate college so it is possible and name a few of them you know number one steve jobs did not go to college i was not aware of that Uh, let's see he dropped out of high school yeah oh he graduated but he dropped out of reed college rather and then uh, dave thomas (laughs) from wendy's never
0: oh there it is that's what you're talking about yeah
1: uh, Richard Branson, well, Richard uh, Virgin Airlines and all kinds of other stuff, uh, Virgin Records, didn't go to college. David Green, founder of Hobby Lobby, he's got a net worth of $6 billion. Larry Ellison, CEO of Oracle, dropped out of college twice, got a cool net worth of $54 billion. Pretty crazy, wow. Kevin Rose, he's has uh, got a ton of online uh, businesses that he founded. But uh, Dig was the main company he founded. Michael Dell of Dell Computers didn't graduate. Rachel Ray, we all know who Rachel Ray is. These are eight successful people who did not graduate from college. They had an idea. They had the courage to follow through with it. And it worked out really well for them. And that can be scary going off of the path that people recommend that they say, oh, you got to do this. Uh, These people opted for uh, success and not for safety. Those two aren't necessarily the same thing in many cases. So I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, eight ninjas, basically.
0: And there's Bill Gates.
1: Did he drop out of Harvard?
0: Yeah, and that's one of my favorite stories. I think the message with this being is follow your heart. Whatever you want to do, you you follow your heart. And that's what I love about Bill Gates. He did, he went to Harvard. And it was about when their computers, and nobody knew what computers were, but he knew that that was the future. And his heart was telling him he to start to, computer software company, because if he didn't, somebody else would. And, you know, you talk to your guidance counselor, they say, well, no, stay here and get a four-year degree and go work for a large company like Enron, right? (laughs) They'll take care of you. And the message being, whatever it is you want to do, you follow your heart. It might be college. It might be a grad degree. It might be pursuing a business. But too many people are putting these labels on things. Well, you can't be successful unless you do this. And there are plenty of examples who said, no, I don't want to, and I'm still going to be successful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go. It takes a lot of courage to follow your heart, but you can have some really great results when you do. And I was listening to an audio book the other day, Kurt, talking about uh, law of attraction and positive mental attitude type stuff. And one thing that was really interesting is that the author said that the sooner you realize that money does not buy happiness, the more of it you will have. It's a kind of a cruel irony, isn't it? And that we know that it can buy some convenience and can buy some comfort up to a certain level, but if it did by happiness, you know, clearly you see a lot of wealthy people that are miserable and you need to disconnect from those two things before you can have either of them. Pretty interesting quote, whether you agree with it or not. I, it got me thinking.
0: yeah, it's interesting. I like where you're going. And part of it too is realizing once you've identified that dream, that your family and friends will spit on that dream yes. and they will suck the life out of you. Just like your aunt Edna and you sit next to her at a family gathering and not even talk to her. And you just feel her sucking the life out of you. And that's just how it works. Every successful person has a list of people telling them it wouldn't work. You can't do it. You need to do this. You just say, watch me.
1: Yeah. Those of you that don't know Kurt very well, over the years, he's created this fictional character, Aunt Edna, who epitomizes <laughs> evil in everything. And, and I'm not sure if Aunt Edna was real, if he's uh, substituted the name for, and to kind of disguise that. Yeah, Kurt will reference well, Aunt, Aunt Edna, and she is just terrible.
0: Here's the secret. I've never revealed it before here on the podcast. I am going to reveal. Aunt Edna. Oh, no. Okay. Is. Aunt Edna was the irritating Henri aunt on the very first vacation with Chevy chase that died on the way to Wally world. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, she is terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if you've seen that, you can have a laugh. If not check it out. It's a funny movie. <laughs> Taking the family on vacation in the family structure, they called it, all the way across the country and all the fun experiences that they had. Yes.
1: And Aunt Edna is uh, – Kurt has just taken everything bad and built it in Aunt Edna. So
0: yeah, Exactly. All
1: right. Well, and we that, learned something today.
0: You did. There's your one thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. All the other stuff. Forget about that. Now you know who Aunt Edna is. All right. Well, everybody, thanks again for listening to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Influence Max. Like us on Facebook. Just punch in Maximize Your Influence on the search bar of Facebook. I'm told we're even going to do the LinkedIn thing soon as we continue our never-ending quest to become legit here on the show. And once again, we appreciate it. We will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence.
0: Take care and persuade with power.